Hello, comic creators. Welcome to the Comics Connection podcast. I am Gamal Hennessy. With me, as always, is Andy Schmidt. Andy, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Gamal? I'm doing pretty good, although probably not as good as you because you just came back from the fine, fine city of Pittsburgh for Comics Pro. And that is what we're going to talk about first this evening. I didn't get to go to Comics Pro because I guess I'm not a comics pro. Um, so you were there. How was uh, it? Uh, it was good. I had not been to comics pro before. And if you don't know the difference between comics pro as a convention versus your C2E2s and New York Comic Cons and City of Comic Cons is um, there's no fans there. So it is, uh, it is primarily, almost exclusively publishers and retailers. And that's really what it's about. Comics Pro is a retailer organization. They put on the show, uh, publishers show up so so that we can have really, really like down to earth and just like just like really solid conversations with retailers specifically. That's that's sort of the whole shebang. And retailers can talk with each other and talk about what's working in their stores. And there's just a lot of like really professional like um, sharing that goes on, and that's that's the gist of it. Mm. Now let me let me just clarify because when you say retailers, do you mean just direct market? Are you talking libraries and bookstores and like third party, like a Walmart and direct market, or just direct market? Uh, any of those can can come. Like one of one of the one of the, my favorite conversations I had was with a woman that's with Bink, which is an or, uh, a not for profit organization that helps bookstores, comic stores out like if there's medical expenses or they're having trouble with whatever they're they're a great thing I, I spoke with her for quite a while and and um i'm hoping we can support them uh more and more as cx continues to grow mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it could be anybody the reality is the bulk of the retailers at least the ones that i saw and spoke with were basically direct direct market retailers i, I wasn't having conversations with like barnes and noble or amazon mm-hmm. Okay, well, now in terms of being a publisher, if you're, because a lot of people in Comics Connection and a lot of people that we talk to as clients are setting up their own publishing companies. Once they, once they do that, how do they get into a thing like Comics Pro to try to get their catalog in front of retailers? Sure. So, um, so I think, I mean, as long as they, you know, as long as they're willing to pay the fees and the hotel bill and all that for the travel, then uh, they can probably get into comics pro. Cause I don't, I don't know what the, I don't really think there's much like a, they're not trying to be super exclusive, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they want to be inclusive. And so I think if you're able to pay the fees and that makes sense, the, I think that the thing that makes it sort of exclusive is paying those fees should probably make sense to you. Right. It is not, it's not cheap. It's not the most expensive thing in the world, but you know, I dropped a fair amount of cash to to go to set up to. We printed an exclusive book here. I'll show you. Oh, uh, we printed an exclusive book that we can show off. There, it's a uh, uh, exclusive cover and a preview of uh seven years in darkness the first eight pages of number two which actually works as a complete story but it's also a flip book Mm. Uh, and we had previews of 
Mother Russia coming out was a you just you just this cover and then um and uh we had a preview of Joseph 1957. Here's a cover of that that's coming out pretty soon. Um so we put this book out. We only printed uh about 200 of them. Gave them away to retailers. Probably you can find them on eBay right now. Mm -hmm. Um but you know that was a good way to sort of introduce ourselves. So this is our first year going uh, at CEX and my first year ever going. And so I wanted to have that conversation of first question, have you heard of us? Mm -hmm. Second question, if you have, you know, if no, then I give a 60 second sort of summary of what we are and what we're about. And then if they had heard of us, if they'd ordered our books, if they knew if the books had done well or not done well, or if one did well or one didn't do well, and then we could get more more granular. They hadn't heard of us and sort of just introduce ourselves. We talked a little bit about the books. I brought several books uh, on the you know on the table to share and show some that haven't come out yet, some that we've done already, and uh, we talked about you know, the types of books that did well in their store or what works. We talked about marketing, um, how can we help them reach their customers? Like, so what I was really interested in is what do you need as a retailer? to to determine whether or not a seat this particular cex book is going to work in your store mm -hmm. because my feeling is if i can give you the tools to make that determination even though sometimes your determination will be that one doesn't appeal to my customer base if you're able to make informed decisions when it does appeal to your customer base and you can sell it you'll see us as a really good partner and be supportive uh, overall. So, you know, that was kind of one of the things that I sort of said is I'm not like short-term is great, right? If I can get a thousand dollars today, like I'll take it. But if I can get $10,000 over 10 years, I'll take that before the thousand dollars today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, let me ask this question. What the retailers that you talk to overall, um, what level of sophistication do they have in understanding the demographics of their particular store? Like, do they know that, you know, gory horror works in the store, but maybe like YA horror doesn't work in the store? Or do they have that kind of understanding of their their customers? Yeah, I think some of them probably do. Um, and some probably don't, but given that I'm talking about 200 retailers in two days, I wasn't able to drill down that far on any one conversation, which actually kind of leads to one of the other points I would, I wanted to get to on this, but, but I'll get to it in a minute. So Comics Pro was really great for introducing ourselves to retailers that didn't know about us to kind of following up and kind of reassuring people we're here. We got a lot of really good uh, feedback, like really positive. Um, a lot of retailers had some very nice things to say about us, which is great to hear. But what I really need to hear is where can we improve, right? right. Or where can we make sure we're, we're delivering you content and product and delivering it in such a way that you can sell it. So um, it's really, it really is important actually when, you know, on Comics Connection or Comics Experience or, you know, our classes or whatever, we have this thing about giving feedback on scripts or art where we, um, our approach is to let you know what's working mm -hmm. because that's just as important as knowing where, where, where your areas of improvement are. 
Um, then we'll get into kind of what's not working for us in a critique and here are some suggestions that may or may not be suggested you actually take, but they may just help you have that sort of conversation in your head to get to a, a solution so that what you want to do is actually happening. And I felt the same way about this was, was, okay, well, what is working? Okay, that's great. That's really good for us to know. And what's not working or what can we be doing better at? And then that was sort of fostering that, that conversation. So there was a lot of really good feedback. If you talk to 150 of anybody, not just not just comics retailers, 150 of anybody in any profession, you're going to get a lot of contradictory feedback. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to get some people that are just, they're just happy to be there. You're going to get some people that are just not happy to be there. Um, you know, like you get, you get kind of all things. So one of the things, one of my takeaways, uh, and we haven't finished this, this process is probably going to take us a couple of weeks was take all of that feedback but then also look at the the data that we've gotten. Like one of the things that I said to retailers was we've been publishing for about a year and a half, a little more. And now we're, you know, we're getting data back on it. We're getting sales data, who's ordering what, like all that kind of stuff. What I don't know is what's selling through the shops. Mm -hmm. Like if you ordered 10 of my book or 20 of my book, I don't know if you sold 10 or 20, you may have been stuck with nine of those, right? Mm -hmm. Um so getting that kind of feedback was really helpful, but then I want to, I want to look at the data as well. So we, you know, there were a couple of things where, where, you know, even just when it was being said, I was like, that doesn't line up with the data. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that you may not like a certain thing, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't do that thing overall, because clearly maybe, maybe it didn't work in your shop, but it worked in a lot of other shops. Right. So you have to, you have to make sure that, that with that data, um or with the feedback that you get and i mean this would be true anywhere right this isn't unique to comics right that you're also looking at what other feedback whether it's sales data or it's you know something the distributors are telling you or what have you but um and so that's a process right like i've got we took extensive notes i was there with with john roberts who um uh, who is my right hand man over at cex and he's amazing and we got tons of contact information. One of the biggest things we got was uh, we had a, a sign-up sheet. So any retailer that came to our table that was was willing to signed up for our email, our retailer-specific email newsletter. And one of the things that we said is like, we're going to tell you stuff in that newsletter that we wouldn't, like, isn't marketing materials, but like, it'll help you to know. Right. Right? Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was really, it was really good for that. Um, and it was kind of grueling, grueling just in the sense that like you had programming, you had to be on all day. You're like, not that you're selling, but like you just have to be engaging and you have to be, you know, friendly and whatever else. And I'm introverted. So that's not, um, which doesn't say that I don't like people. It just means like it, that's a, that's a lot of work for me. And then once that's all over from like nine in the morning to 5 PM, then it's, everybody goes out to different, you know, whether it's a, a bar or a, a pub or a restaurant or, or just somebody's room for a while, mm -hmm. like it's going to that and just having, and then trying to have more, it's all like business during the day. And then it tries, you try to get a little bit more personal, like, and that's the thing that I realized is for us, at least it's probably true for anybody else. I would think it is that like, I feel like now, now that I've been, 
now the real work begins. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm gonna now I have to follow up with everybody. I need to I need to establish because what I like the ideal scenario is that when I go back next year, which I intend to do, so I do think it was valuable and worth the money and time spent. I think the uh, I think the thing is is that uh, I'd like to go back and then instead of introducing myself to everybody, be like, "Hey, it's so good to see you again." Mm-hmm. About this and that. So I feel like now the real work begins and I'll be working on this for the next year until we meet again. And then it all starts over. But, but part of talking to retailers, reaching out to retailers, now that I've kind of made first contact um, with a lot of folks, uh, that has to be a part of my regular work week every week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now here's a question because so many Comics Connection members are, in that kind of emerging independent kind of category. Do you think it makes sense, have, now that you've gone to Comics Pro for once, you think it makes sense for somebody who has to go, um, if they have one book or if they have three books or what's the threshold where it actually makes sense to pay the money to talk to these retailers to get this kind of data and go through this process that you went through? That's tough to say. I mean, for a number of reasons, like I don't feel like I'm qualified to make financial decisions for, mm-hmm. for other people. But, um, but I mean, the, the very first question I got was, are you with Diamond? Are you with Lunar? Are you with a bookstore distributor? Are you on whatever? Um, uh, there are two of these now. There's Comics Hub and there's, uh, what's the other one? Comics Hub and um, I can't remember the other one. Oh no! Uh, and and Manage Comics, mm-hmm. uh, which two sort of like POS point of sale systems for for retailers. Like it's like, are you are you are you a part of these places? Or Universal is another distributor. They do primarily Canada. They're moving mm-hmm. into the U.S. Um, you know, so those those were questions that we got now. It was really important to us when we were first starting to be in Diamond and Lunar, um, and we managed to we managed to be that. I, I think we are the smallest publisher that's managed to be in both. Um, I hope not to be the smallest publisher in both for too much longer. Uh, we're moving in the right direction, um, but you know that was really interesting. And when I said like, "Hey, yeah, we're in Diamond and Lunar," then a lot of, a lot of retailers were like, "Okay, good, that's really good," you know. But then it was like, "Are you here? Are you there?" You know, how do you reach our customers? Like, well, I don't, I don't live in Utah or wherever, so I don't know who your customers are, like as as individuals, what you do, but maybe I can provide you with material, and you can get that to your customers. Yes. You know, and so, um, so that's kind of how, kind of how that all. Okay. Works. Well, I this... answer your question. I feel like I just. You, no, you you did, but I think one of the things that our listeners need to kind of understand is how important retailer relations are and how how much they can affect the sale of a comic. There's historical examples of independent books that did very well because the retailers championed the book at the point of sale. If you look at Princeless, if you look at ElfQuest, if you look at Scott Pilgrim, all of those books got substantial cult followings and made substantial sales because 
retailers went out of their way to kind of push the book. And I think they, they're not necessarily going to be willing to do that unless they know the publisher, unless they actually are confident that the book is going to be out and be on time and things like that. And I think going to things like Comics Pro, it sounds like, is one of those pieces of the puzzle to create that relationship that would inspire the retailer to push your book when you're not there. Because in most of the stores, you're not going to be there. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, my take on it would be this, is that that's going to be very project specific. That's mm -hmm. not going to be because it's got the CEX logo or the Scout logo or the Source Point Press logo or the Image logo or the Marvel or DC logo, right? I think that's really project specific. Now, going to something like Comics Pro, you can get the book in front of them. They'll take a look at it. If you do like, if you sponsor Comics Pro the way we did at the sort of the retailer roundtable level, which is, which was like I had 10 minutes with four to six retailers mm -hmm. and then a bell, literally a bell rings and four to six more show up and I got 10 minutes. Right. But I could put books in their hands. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're pushing one book or two books, that's great because you're getting that book in their hands, but then getting them to follow up to order it or whatever could be challenging. I don't know how challenging mm -hmm. um, Some stores I know are very open to like selling on consignment or or what have you, but um, if part of your marketing plan as an independent creator or a small publisher is, you know, I'm going to travel all over, I'm going to do store signings and that sort of thing, those things will boost your sales numbers because you're in the store itself, you're talking to people, they're selling it on consignment. It's a ton of work. Is it cost effective per comic book? Probably not, mm -hmm. but that may not be your your end goal, right? And that's one of the things that that on Comics Connection, I know we talk about a lot. It's like, what is your goal for the project? Is your goal sales? Mm -hmm. Is your goal, um, like if you're doing crowdfunding, is it the number of backers you want? Or is it the dollar value? Um, is it, um, you're trying to put out like a calling card, like something that makes you uh, attractive to other publishers that maybe pay for writing or art. The projects can have different goals and sometimes the goal isn't always to make you know to turn like a, a, a you know big profit um so anything that you would do as a smaller publisher or indie comic creator looking at comics pro i don't know how helpful that would be for you but you you'd have to be viewing it from a very different lens i mean i've got 18 projects i can put in front of people mm -hmm. well that's that means if I can sell some of all of those, I've got 18 projects that sort of amortize, you know, the cost of, of going, right. uh, you know, and that sounds like a lot, but we put those out over two years. I only had three or four books that were coming out soon that they were going to be able to order right. you know, new, you know, anything else would be a back order that we got to fulfill with stuff oh. that's already read. Okay. Okay. Well, since this is an ongoing process for you, because like you said, meeting them at comics pro is not it's not the end of the process it's actually the beginning of the process and you have to do that follow-up so it's something especially because retail relations and dealing with the actual point of sale is something that emerging publishers need to actually take get a handle on we're going to revisit that subject but right now we're going to go to um another subject that we kind of pushed off the last time because we fig figured it was a big topic and but we wanted to make sure we actually gave it the attention it deserved. And that is 
the genre of superhero comics itself. Uh, about two weeks ago, Rob Salkowitz, uh, I think in ICV2, put out an article, it was an op-ed piece that basically said that there's a there's quite a bit of stagnation in the superhero comic book genre. And by that, we basically mean Marvel DC. And the idea in the piece was that you get cycles in any kind of genre and there was an upswing at a certain point and now we seem to be in the middle of a downward swing and someone somewhere theoretically is going to actually spark the create the stories and spark the interest that's going to bring us to another upswing uh i andy i showed that story to you and and you had thoughts now i have thoughts about emerging and independent creators making superhero comics at all but let's just deal with your thoughts first and then i'll then i'll start spouting my nonsense okay i should i need to really caveat my thoughts here uh because i don't read a lot of marvel dc and by not a lot i mean almost none and uh so i don't really have uh thoughts on what they're currently putting out i can just tell you that but and this applies to casual friends like like here in basically rural kentucky people who don't know comics exist but all the way up to comics creators when it comes to superheroes the conversation is around movies mm -hmm. way more than it is around the comics and i think somewhere along the line it seems like the comics publishers those those two specifically have seemed to have focused more on making things cool and fresh in their movies mm -hmm. we can debate whether or not they're successful at it mm -hmm. other topic but um more than on the comics like there were there have been these and there are pockets and they they will continue to be pockets um of really great work and really great runs on books but i feel like that has sort of downgraded just from the conversations i'm having with creators sometimes it's even conversations i'm having with creators that are writing and drawing those books mm -hmm. and even they're not as excited as they were five, 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago. Um, I think that has, I think there's a lot of factors there. And I don't, I don't want to just be like publishers suck because um, that's not what it is. I think there's a lot of demands uh, on those two companies from now that they're both owned by much larger companies that it can be very difficult to have the creative freedom, even for even editorial like editors there, it can be very difficult for them to have creative freedom to do kind of new and cool things. And honestly, when I was an editor at Marvel, which was, I left a few years before they were bought, there was a period there where we had a lot of creative freedom. And even before I left, that was coming to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's the thing is sometimes you just need to, there's a lot of really creative editors, obviously there are a lot of creative creators and sometimes you need to let them do their thing. Mm, well, I, first I will speak to the specifically the issues that I think 
the business and economic issues that I think are actually driving this perception of what's happening in the comics themselves. And then I will actually talk about emerging and independent creators trying to jump into that space. Um, first, there's three factors that I believe are that create a perfect storm for stagnation in the big two. The first oh, you're, one you're is, gonna like you're gonna like give like a real answer. Well, yeah, that's why people keep I thought, around. We, were, I thought we were just futzing around. Okay, all right. No, no, no. Okay, everybody just ignore everything I just said and pay much more attention to Gabal. Uh, uh, okay, I mean, no pressure. But the first reason is kind of systemic on the conglomerate level. If you actually have a situation where in a corporation, especially a mega corporation, where the vast majority of resources or revenue is coming from certain product lines, then you take a lot of your talent, a lot of your focus, a lot of your energy, and you put those towards the more profitable product lines. Movies, merchandise, video games, these, the profit margins on those categories are so much exponentially higher than comic books that for Marvel and DC, and we've said this in the, the Q&A sessions that we've had for Comics Connection, the comic books kind of have to be there as the foundational core, but that's not where the money is. So they need to logically move resources to where the money is. They need to put more money into quantum mania than they put into all the books that come out from Marvel in 2023. Now they put that, a lot of money into quantum mania. Exactly. But the return on investment, I mean, quantum mania, people, it actually isn't quote unquote doing well. It made a hundred million dollars. Last time I checked a hundred million dollars. Mm, pretty good. I don't remember the last comic that made that. Yeah. What comic made a hundred, like did death of Superman make that? It might've, it might've, but that was like a two generations ago. Like people don't even know what it is we're talking about when we say death of Superman. In today's dollars, it, it made that. The second factor is the, um, the idea of comic creators themselves realize that if they take their best ideas, their most creative endeavors, and they push that into the big two space, two things are going to happen. One, they're going to lose that idea to the mouse or to Discovery Plus or whatever they're calling themselves now. You're not going to you're not going to be able to take this groundbreaking idea and own it. You may not even get credit for it. It's going to be gone. So you while you may go to that company to get a paycheck, you're not necessarily going there to give them your best idea. You may be going there to establish yourself as a creator to get a professional reputation, to get contacts, and then take your really, what you consider your really good idea and publish it yourself because you know then that you own it, you get more revenue from it. So the books that you may be working on, you will be professional, you will be diligent, but you will not be attempting to break the creative mold or establish something that's going to be long-term. You're not going to try to be Chris Claremont if you know what happened to Chris Claremont. You're not going to try to be Alan Moore if you know what happened to Alan Moore. You're going to try to be like Todd McFarlane or 
Robert Kirkman or someone else who actually has more rights to these, the, what there is that they're creating. So on the company level, the overall company level, there's no impetus to actually be groundbreaking. On the creator level, there's no real impetus to be groundbreaking. And then the publishers themselves are kind of stuck between these two because the publishers is like, well, okay, we can't just go off and create a new, a new through line for all of these books because these books don't exist independently anymore. They exist as part of, well, what's going to happen in the movies? What's going to happen in the TV shows? What's going to happen in the video games? What's going to happen in the mobile games? There's so much. Go ahead. Well, I, was, I just wanted to jump in, but I mean, there's, I had this conversation with a couple of creators recently, uh, friends of mine, uh, because I'm also a writer. And I was saying, I have no interest in like creating something new for for those companies, for the corporate conglomerates, right? Like exactly what you just said. If I have a, I have a cool, like new idea for a book, mm -hmm. I give it to them. I'll do that over here with the okay. thing. What I'm interested in doing with them and would like to do very well is stuff that really like requires their universe. Right. Right. So like, it's a story that like, in order to build that universe would take quite a long time or whatever, but like, I can tell a really fun story in the Marvel universe because we all know who the Hulk is and who Thor is. And who exactly. Thor is. The world building has already been done. Right. So like I can tell a story within that that uses all those elements. It's not really a story I can tell somewhere else. That's really appealing and fun. And I like yeah. those characters and that kind of thing. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the counter argument to what you're saying and and i say this as somebody that has has benefited from the counter argument yeah. is when you do really good work at those companies like really good work that stands out mm -hmm. uh, not that i want to say anyway i don't want to sound like egotistical but you know i worked on projects that did very very well, mm -hmm. right? well and that has helped me in my career outside of the company yes right because i'm known for hey you did this thing and that did well so that's sort of the counter argument is like making your name. And I know like for a long time, it's not true anymore, but for a while, like Brubaker and Bendis were like, have your book at Marvel or DC that does really well, that people pay attention to and they know they like you because some percentage of them will come follow you on the book that you publish. Yes. Like that's been a pretty good, that's been a pretty good model. The interesting thing is that I think the, the best example of doing this really well is James Tynion recently. Mm -hmm. He was doing Batman, but he was like killing it on his creator-owned books, like something's killing the children and all that kind of thing is a monster hit. I I don't know. That thing may have been outselling Batman. Yes. And he left Batman to like just go and do all that stuff. And but he built such a following. And he also like, I mean, that guy like really engages with his fans on like a really like very cool level. And I'll be darned if not practically all of them have just followed him over to his indie. Like, I don't know that anybody has managed that migration from corporate comics fans to bring them over to their creator-owned fans the way he has. Mm, mm, I mean, the only person that I can think of might be like Scott Snyder, but. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, we have to really get into sales data, but 
yeah, what James has done, I, Scott's done well with it too, I assume. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just like everybody seems to be talking about what James is doing right now. Well, the other side of this is that I am constantly, well, not constantly, but very often I am advising independent emerging creators that if you're thinking about what kind of comics you want to make, that you would be well served in avoiding making superhero comics. For not for creative reasons, because I know a lot of people, especially depending on your age demographic, you might have come into comics because of superhero comics. You might have been inspired by comics because of superhero comics. So naturally, you want to make superhero comics. But there are several very good business reasons why you may not want to do that. Number one, you are setting up yourself in terms of competition where you're competing with companies that have an 80 year head start every there is a decent head start yeah, exactly there are very few like what's you have to decide what story are you going to tell that is going to be unique enough and powerful enough and visceral enough to convince people who have been fans of a certain type of character a certain type of story for maybe decades Oh, you should read this story instead, in addition to? Like, what characters are you creating? I mean, ones that run really fast or stretch, or I mean, where where is going to be your niche that these companies haven't already either mined before or are currently doing it now or have never stopped doing it? This is one of the few genres that I feel once people get into it, and they decide what they like, it's very difficult to lure them into something else. Like if someone likes horror, just because they like one horror franchise, they'll probably go watch all other kind of horror franchises because it's horror. The same thing with science fiction or espionage or Western or war, whatever. Superheroes, I think, is more specific because once you decide you like Storm, well, Somebody else comes along who controls weather like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really care. So if you have limited resources and you want to try to compete in the market, maybe superheroes, unless that is your passion and that's really what you want to do, maybe that's not the right choice because the competition and the what you're asking to happen is going to be very difficult to pull off. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um you know, it's interesting because you you you've got some independent superhero books that have done really really well, but there's a graveyard full of ones that didn't, mm -hmm. uh, and we tend to remember the Invincibles or yes, you know, or Savage Dragon or whatever, right? Um, we we remember the ones that were successful. We forget about all the ones that we're came away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with I agree with everything you said. You know, it's funny too because you just wind up being the person who's like, "Well, except for this," and I'm sure you do that when I'm talking too. But um, yeah, I, if you're looking to get into comics and you've got stories that aren't superheroes that are good, like if you're looking at two stories that you want to tell, one's a superhero and one's something else, and they're equally good in your mind, I'd go with the other one if you're going to produce it yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the problem here, the problem here is emotional and psychological because people who are making comics are not coming at this from a purely objective standpoint. And I realize this. Like I said, if you grew up with superhero comics and you love superhero comics and you may think, well, because like we just said, there's this there's this lull in the market now that people are looking for something different. You want to be that person who gets into that space. Um, my thought is, you know, to quote Star Wars, it's a trap. You're, you're not, you're going to, you're going to go down that route and then suddenly realize, like you were talking to retailers at Comics Pro, and I'm under the impression that a certain percentage of them buy a majority of their inventory every month in the big two because they know historically those books move and they're yeah. not going to be stuck with them. You come in with a superhero book. The first thing that they're going to do is go, okay, what book is this like? Like, oh, well, it's like Shang-Chi or it's like Catwoman. There's like, well, then their response is going to be, well, we already have Shang-Chi and Catwoman. Why do we need this book that is unproven, that doesn't have the label on it, that may not have the creative team? So you're you're putting your you're painting yourself into a hole that may be difficult to come out of. Yeah. My take as a publisher on if if someone is submitting to me a superhero book is it doesn't just have to be really good. It doesn't just have to have a hook. It also has to have something extra that puts it above or not above. That's maybe that's not maybe the, the PC way to say that, right? But like that gives it a reason to exist. Mm-hmm. And we published two superhero books. We did Saga of a Doomed Universe and we did Sereno. Mm-hmm. And Saga of Doomed Universe, I think people got it. They understood why it was something that you know the big two couldn't do, and it and it, it does something really cool. Sereno also does something the big two are I'll I'll say very unlikely to do. Um, but it was harder to it was harder to market it, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, but but I still completely you know it didn't it didn't sell as well as Saga. It sold fine um but we're but what we realized is maybe the direct market wasn't the place for that one and so we're gonna we're gonna wind up doing some crowdfunding with it because i think we're gonna find our audience um there but but that's my take on it is if you're gonna do a superhero book and submit it to me it's gonna have to really rise above in order for me to put it in that competitive of a Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i don't I I try not to encourage creators to be mercenary in their creative choices. Like I don't I you don't go out and make a zombie book just because there are a lot of because zombies are popular. Go out and make a zombie book because you want to tell a story in that space. And it's kind of the same thing with superheroes. I just think that there's a an extra layer of analysis you have to do and you have to be very um, as objective as possible to say, are people who have limited resources going to stop reading the books they've already been reading for however long with characters that everyone, the vast majority in the world knows, or they're going to, they're going to read your book instead. And if they're not, then, you know, maybe you don't make that book. Right. 
All right. So I think I think we have actually dropped dozens of pearls of wisdom in this episode. So minimum, minimum dozens. Yeah, minimum of dozens. So um if you guys want to be part of the ongoing conversation that we have in Comics Connection in our live classes, in our Q&As, on the Discord, and through all the other avenues that we have, there'll be a link to actually, you know, join us and get involved. We have, uh, we're going to have links to the Forbes article that we actually talked about in the beginning. So until next time, I'm Gamal, he's Andy, and we'll also have, have you links. Huh? We'll also have links to the courses page on Comics Experience. Come on, help me out here, man. Yes, we will. Yeah, we will have links to all the things. All the things. We'll all have the links. links. But yeah, we got some great courses coming up. Um, but yeah, keep. Uh, well, what we used to say before the podcast became the Make Comics, the uh, the Comics Connection podcast was keep making comics. That was our sign off. But yeah, can't say that. It's trademark. Keep making comics if you want. I mean, that's kind of the point. If you know, sure. making comics. Yeah, this whole thing doesn't make sense. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. All right. There you go. We're good. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, we're doing more Comics Pro with our members. Yes. That's going to be the closed Q&A. All right. And then Thursday, we're doing uh, the the Word Balloon, right? Uh, Yeah. Thursday, we're doing Word Balloon. Yes. Great. What's up, Kel? All right. Are we going to have, are we doing alcohol for the Word Balloon? Are we not doing that? Probably not. Okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. All right. All right. See you later. Later.